Good morning, fellowship. Good to see you guys. I'm Rob. This is Eric. We're going to tag team a little bit this morning. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. But let me just say it's good to be back. I have not been here for a few weeks. Um, having some rest this summer with my family, which I'm grateful for. I'm so thankful for Larry and Ann and the tremendous job they did over the last four weeks. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Talk about a timely topic of marriage. Uh, it was just wonderful. And, but I'm, I also won't lie, I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be here, glad to be here with Eric. Uh, you know, it's funny, being a part of a team, you all see Lloyd and I do most of the teaching, and then we have Eric teaches sometimes. Of course, you've been hearing from Larry as well. Lloyd and I get credit for all kinds of things that actually belong to other people, that are the influence of other people. So this morning, to be here with Eric and sharing a little bit about where we are at the church and where we're going with the series of John is a thrill because this guy has done so much to make fellowship what it is over a number of years, so really grateful for that. Before we get into all that, though, let me get back on track with announcements. And that is, I wanna welcome those of you that are new to fellowship. Uh, some of you, this may be your first Sunday or maybe your first two or three Sundays or however long you've been going. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, there's not a perfect church, but we're a church that has a clear mission, and we're gonna talk about that today, and we wanna invite you to be a part of it. If you feel like God could be leading you to be a part of this journey with us, the best place to get more information is at connectfellowship.com. We have a class called Intro to Fellowship the first Sunday of every month, and we would love for you to take part of that. So I hope you check that out. Yeah, and if uh, whether you're new or you've been here a while, um, we wanna help you follow Jesus. And the w way we do that is not by ourselves, we do that in community. And so I wanna just, uh, if you would, pull out your phone, because I've got an announcement that's got a lot of different things underneath it. But if you go to this website, follow, uh, fellowshipbiblechurch.org backslash community, and I'll let you guys type that in, it's gonna explain whether you're a young adult, uh, you are a man or a woman looking for a study, you wanna get into a fellowship group, this, this part of the website is gonna have how you do that, different studies at Brentwood campus, at Franklin campus, you can join any study at any campus, different times throughout the day. Um, but this is also how you would sign up for Group Connect to get into a fellowship group. So you can do that there. Young adults, there's some events coming up that we wanna specifically uh, target you guys and to be able to form community around that. And then men's and women's studies. So you can go on that website, you can see all that there is, and you can actually register for those events or for those studies right there. There's a women's gathering coming up uh, at both campuses. Uh, and then men, I'm really excited about this thing. We're gonna pilot down here at Franklin campus. One of the things that um, I, I've loved is this helping men follow Jesus. And so one of the things that we wanna do at this campus specifically is test out this thing called men's table where in the fall we'll start and we'll have, a, we'll have a, a teaching time, but most of it is around connecting at smaller tables with men, building relationships. It's, it, I know once me come in here, it's hard if you sit on this side of the room, you might not, never meet somebody that's over here on this side of the room, right? And so we wanna be able to create an environment uh, for you as men uh, to get out of isolation and to get into community and then from there be able to take next steps. So if you will go to fellowshipbiblechurch.org backslash community, you can find out all sorts of things. Take a, take a screenshot of that if you want. Come back to that website later. We'll be sending this information out uh, on our social media, email uh, as well, but I wanna help you um, take those next steps. And so one of the things also is I just wanna thank you just for your faithful giving uh, towards our mission and what we're gonna be talking about today, that everything centers on our mission and the clarity and focus we have on that. So thank you for your giving. If you haven't given in a while and you wanna kind of jump back in, or if you're new and you, you wanna decide to give, uh, this is how you would give. Go to givetofellowship.com or you can text give. We'll leave that up there. But I wanna lead us, uh, before we start this morning, really excited about where we're going this morning and be able to, to kind of tag team this uh, super important uh, thing that we're gonna be talking about with our mission today. But I wanna pray for us. Um, and, if, and if you have something going on, we wanna pray for you. And I'm just gonna put this up here. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you, to contact you, follow up with you, and how we can come alongside you. So I'll leave that up there. But if you would... Um, let's, just, let's just open our hands and, and let's come to God in prayer as, as his people. Father, as we come to you, I pray that each one of us right now would bring what is on our hearts as we come to you in prayer. God, as your people gathered, you know each of us individually. 
and corporately we come as a church together, as your sons and daughters, that you love us and care for us. And so we bring our hearts to you today. And Father, we pray for your spirit to do a work in our hearts, to deepen convictions, for you to do a work in our minds, that we would be able to see things clear today. We would be able to see the, the purpose you have put us on this earth and that also what you have given us as a local body, a local church, and the work that you've given us to do. And so we pray for that clarity we pray that we would leave this service unified, that we'd leave this service more passionate, um, and dare I say, even more with a deeper conviction around you, Jesus, and who you are and what you've called us to. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're asking for. And Father, I pray for your spirit, for those who have things going on in their life where they need comfort, where they need counsel, would you meet them and remind them this morning that they are not alone, that you are always with them and you've given them a community of believers around them. We pray this in your name, amen, amen. Amen, thank you. Well, let me tell you where we're gonna be going this morning. Uh, many of you know we're about to jump into a new series. We're gonna walk through the Gospel of John together over the next year, and I mean that literally. As Lloyd and I have mapped out the, the different, um, the, the way the text breaks down, I think it's 50 or maybe 51 messages. We will pause for Advent. Of course, we'll pause for Easter. When I say pause, you know, we'll, we will still be here, but we will not be in John necessarily. But uh, I'm excited about this, and I'll tell you why. And so the purpose of today is to really get into that John series in terms of introduction. But as we thought about how to best do this, we thought there's a reason that we are stepping into John at this time at this moment for us as a church. And so we thought it would, it would be helpful for you for us to pull back the curtain a little bit and share where are we right now, where are we going, and why John? And so that's the focus of today. In fact, I've got a slide, if you could put that next slide up on the screen. So this is the flow of this morning. Eric and I are gonna tag team where we are. Now this first one, context, it's really less about us as a church, it's more about where we are as a culture where we are. It's been an interesting last couple of years, hasn't it been? So Eric primarily is going to talk about that. He's a great one to talk about this because he's a strategist. This is the way, kind of the way his brain works. It's one of the things I appreciate about you, Eric. He's got his pulse on these kinds of things. So I, so I asked Eric, hey, would you really kind of help us ground where we're going first in our context? Then we're going to talk about where we're going, which is our mission. And I'm going to primarily guide that one. Eric and I will tag team that a little bit, but it's going to be where we're headed as a church, not just our church, but the church in general and how Fellowship Bible fits into that. And then I'll take this last section about John and integrate how the study of John is gonna fit into where we are and where we're going. So that's gonna be the flow this morning. I'm excited about it a little bit. And Eric, I'm just gonna ask you to jump in here with, with yeah. some context for us. You know, it was, uh, it was a couple weeks ago, early, early August, we were, uh, our boys were in um, camp in, in Pine Cove Springs. And so I've never been there before. And so what do you do when you've never been someplace and you need directions, right? We all open up our Google Maps or Waze or whatever, and you type in the address. But there's two things you need to do in order to get to some destination. You need to know the destination you're going, right? But what's the other one? Where you are. And I think that's what I wanna do this morning is, is really kind of answer, you know, where are we as a church? And then we're gonna talk about where are we going? Uh, there's a, uh, it's where we are, understanding our cultural times is not just important. It's actually a biblical imperative that we, we understand the times that we're living in. And so I wanna, I wanna ask you, uh, for you guys to turn to 1 Chronicles 12.32. Uh, I know that's probably not a common place you turn to if you're reading the scriptures, but I wanna, I wanna set up this context of, First Chronicles 12:32. And here's the context of it. David has been anointed king, but he has yet to be enthroned. And so these are the days where David is running for his life and King Saul is chasing after him, okay? And there's a group of, of people who are following David, not because he's the enthroned king, but because he's the promised king. He's the anointed king. He's the promised king. And so these are the, the mighty men who are are following David uh, as he's fleeing for his life. And so much of, the, much of David's life was in this context. But 
you see that these mighty men are there and there's this one group that stands out in, in this text. And I'm gonna read the paraphrase. So it's gonna be slightly different probably what you have in your scriptures, but I'm gonna read the paraphrase of this in, in verse 32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders with their relatives and all of these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Now, here's, here's what this group is doing. They understood the times that they were in. They were discerning where they were in that cultural moment of Israel. And they didn't just say, okay, we know where we are. What did they do? They discerned the best course of action to then go and take. And so that's the two things that we're, we're hoping to do today. They knew what, where they were, but then what to do with the information that they had. And so what I wanna do is, that Rob and I, when we were talking about like, how could we communicate kind of where we are and where we're going, I felt the best way to do that would be through the cultural lens for us as a church. We talk about the heart a lot. And the reason why we talk about the heart a lot is because the Bible talks about the heart a lot. And in the scriptures, when you see the heart mentioned, it's talking about all that you are. It's, the heart is your control center. It's your, it's your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, and your choices. It's all of who you are. And we're called to love God with all that you are. So you have your thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. So I just wanna work through that lens of the heart of understanding where we are uh, as, at this cultural moment um, and for us as a, as a local church and for our community. And so let's just, let's just walk through. So. What are people thinking? That's those four simple questions. What are people thinking? We're gonna start off with the thoughts. What are people thinking? Well, when you survey kind of what's, what people are thinking about in our culture, here's some of the things that we, we wrote down. What in the world is going on? Are we going to survive this? Are we gonna be okay? Uh, this world is a mess. Can anybody do anything about this? Okay, so those are some of the things. And so in a sentence, this world is broken and it's not working. Like that's kind of, that's some of our thoughts, right? This is, this is not going away. And then so we, we started thinking about this, like not just globally, not just in our, in our community, not just in our nation, but, but we also can think about this as in our own lives, how we're experiencing this. Okay, so let's go, let's go to the next, next part of emotions. What are, what are people feeling when we're looking at, What's going on? How are people experiencing this? What are people feeling? What's the predominant emotions of the day? Anxious, fearful, angry. New York Times uh, in 2021 identified languishing as the emotion of the year. Languishing is a sense of blah or emptiness. Uh, trapped, feel like they're in limbo. Maybe they're numb, fatigue, exhaustion. Am I describing anyone in, in the room? Okay, so that's some of the pre predominant things. In, in, a, in a phrase, hangry and anxious is the phrase that I came up with. Okay, why hangry? Well, hangry goes back to 1956 as a word. It means uh, irritability or anger due to being hungry. And, and some of you are thinking of the Snickers commercial. Okay, that person's hangry and somebody get her a Snickers or whatever. Well, I want to think about like, it's not just that type of hunger. It's a hunger for something deeper that is not being satisfied. There's a hunger for something deeper that is not being satisfied. Okay, so then let's go to desires. What are people longing for? What, do people, what are people desiring uh, in, in, this, in this certain time? An end to COVID? To stop the meanness and bickering towards each other? For normal to return? For peace? For hope? Uh, for our, our country to have a moral compass? For justice? For, for right to defeat wrong. In a phrase, I believe people are desiring a better life. We find ourselves in this moment of, of discontentment and it's a sitting in this volcano of angst and uncertainty. So then we come to, to the end of what are, what are the choices? What are people choosing? If that's kind of where their thoughts, emotions, and desires are, what, are, what do we see people choosing? Well, we see people choosing tribalism and partisanship, fighting, versus cooperating. We see control and hypervigilance um, happening. We see people bucket, le uh, bucket list binging, okay? Um, we see uh, people buckling down and circling the wagons, you know, kind of moving into isolation. And in a phrase, um, the way I would describe this is people are going their own way. They're choosing what's right in their own eyes and going their own way. 
And the result of all these consequences, how it plays out in our hearts individually, how it plays out in our relationships, how it plays out in our culture. I mean, we're seeing all of this play out uh, before us. And there's a few, few places that uh, we've looked at of people who do cultural surveys and uh, people who are, are looking at kind of things specifically within, within the church or uh, within, uh, within this context. And I just wanna show, just highlight four different places that uh, I'm gonna highlight just some of those things that I've been reading. Arthur C. Evans, uh, he had this quote, Americans have been doing their best to preserve over the last two years, these tumultuous years, these two tumultuous years. But these data, this data suggests we are now reaching unprecedented levels of stress that will challenge our ability to cope. And we're seeing this. Um, one, of the, one of the things we've been reading is Barna Research, where they've been polling pastors. There's been uh, all-time high of, of pastors leaving the ministry, okay? Pastors and church leaders leaving the ministry. And here's the top three reasons that they came up with of pastors leaving the ministry. Number one, emotional exhaustion. Two, feeling isolated. And three, political division. This is the first time ever that political division has ever hit the list and it hit the list in 2020. Political division has never been a reason why a pastor would ever leave the ministry, ever. And so you think about that, this is a huge, huge thing for that to, that to hit the list. And so you have, you have that going on. Um, Dr. Kara Powell, for executive director of Floral Youth Institute had this to say, and since 2020, the percentage of people suffering from anxiety has tripled, depression, has quadrupled. I was just talking to a, a guy the other day and he, and he was just saying, I've never dealt with a panic attack and I had my first one when, this, just in the last two years. He said, I never had to deal with that before. And so now he's, now he's, he's wrestling through what that looks like. Peter uh, Weiner in the interview with Russell Moore in The Atlantic, Russell Moore said this, we live in an era of acute anxiety and great fear. As a result, too often Christians end up wrapping Jesus into our anger and fearful distortions. I think that's so true. It's like, how do, we, how do we follow Jesus in this time? So what I just read is really sobering. So I think a collective deep breath before we go on, okay? Ready? That's what I felt like when I read those things. I was just like, I just want to take a breath. Like, that is, that's so sobering. But as a, as a pastor, I mean, this last couple of years, I mean, I felt, I felt those top three things of feeling emotionally exhausted, feeling the political division. Um, I know many of you experienced divisions in your family. Family gatherings have been harder maybe for you in the last couple of years than they ever have been. People um, being in, in conspiracy theories and, and all sorts of different things have created divisions within families. I mean, we've all experienced um, these type of things. And, you know, um, each of us individually are experiencing some of these things, but then, you know, corporately and collectively, we're all experiencing these type of things. And one of the things that, um, in conversations that I've been having with you guys and conversations within um, my own community and relationships, I mean, these are common words that come up. Fragmentation division, isolation, fear, doubts, describing somebody walking through a warped view of reality. Um, all, all of those things have come up in conversations. And here's, here's the thing is, is it would be easy to look at what we just talked about. It'd be easy to, to look at what's going on in, in our world and just wanna throw your hands up and just shake your head and say, I don't even know what to do. I'm, I'm just, I'm giving up. You know, like it'd be easy for us to get to that place. But through, through wrestling through some of these things, through um, working through, through some of these things and, and kind of um, been able to take a sabbatical uh, over the pandemic, one of the things that um, has happened in me, that has happened in Rob, that's happened in our leadership, is I, I, can, I can sit here today and say, I'm, I'm more with a deeper conviction, excited about what God is doing right now in our local church of where we're heading than I have been when I moved here 12 years ago to launch the Franklin campus. And that has everything to do with what we're gonna talk about today. And I hope that when, when you guys hear what we're gonna talk about today, that you will leave here with beginning to wrestle through the hope that Jesus is for this cultural moment, for your own life, for us collectively as a local church and for the world. That's, that's what I, I hope that we, we get to with what we're talking about today. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. That was super helpful. 
Um, and that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about our mission as a church. Uh, but let me say first, when Eric was walking through the, the, the parts of the heart, that was super clear. I mean, I just appreciate the way you did that because I think we've all sort of sensed, man, this, is, this feels a little different than it did 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever, but it's hard to put our finger on it. So thinking in terms of those thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices of, of where we are as a culture was helpful. I also found myself thinking, that's not just the people out there. Like, so there's, there's the hangry yeah, in me, sense. there's the anxious in me, all those kinds of things. So I'm, I'm really grateful for anchoring that in that context. And, and here's what I wanna say. Anytime we talk about a mission or a mission statement. We don't need to get corporate on that. I mean, Jesus gave the church a mission. And if we're ever disengaged from the mission that Jesus gave the church, we're not being the body of Christ that he designed us to be. So I want you to hear that. This is less about, oh, how, how is the institution of Fellowship Bible Church gonna talk about their mission? It's more about the mission Jesus Christ gave the capital C church for all time and how our local church fits into that. So turn to Matthew 28. Eric read an Old Testament passage. I wanna to go to a New Testament passage. Uh, Matthew may be a little bit easier to find than Chronicles for most of us, <laughs> uh, but, but go to that first book of the New Testament and the very end of the first book of the New Testament, you're gonna find on the last page before you see the Gospel of Mark, you're gonna find Matthew chapter 28. And you know, if you haven't thought about this text in a little while, or maybe you're unfamiliar with this text, you may not realize Jesus gave a very clear purpose statement to what we now call the church. There's no question about what we are to be about. And I think we've lost sight of it, but I wanna take us back to it right now. Matthew chapter 28, I'm gonna read three verses, verses 18, 19, and 20. Jesus came and said to them, now the them were all his followers, the 12 plus the other people that were following Jesus. He said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's our mission. And if you really wanna boil it down as short and simple as you can, make disciples of all nations. Jesus was talking to 40-some people, 80-some people, 120 people. We don't know exactly the number of people he was talking to, but it was a small people. His words were for them, but his words transcended them. Jesus knew there were needing to be followers of him in every tribe, every tongue, every language across thousands of years of time. So he was commissioning not just these folks, he was commissioning all who would come after them in his name as followers of Jesus. And his mission, the priority is make other disciples. You're disciples of me, he's saying. I want you to make more disciples of me. Now, in our moment in time, if someone goes around in person or on social media and says, I want everybody to do what I do, say what I say, I want everyone, I'm trying to get as many followers as possible. <laughs> we would say that's an egomaniac, but that is not the Jesus Christ that we know of from the gospels. So we know the goal of Jesus in saying, make disciples of me was not about feeding his own ego. Why would that be the mission? Why would Jesus say, I want you to expend your energy across the world making disciples of me? Because Jesus knew that his life had blazed a new trail for human beings. Jesus knew that he, his life, his death, his resurrection had opened up a new gate, a new door, and that anyone who followed him through that would receive life. And I'm not just talking about eternal, everlasting life, although certainly I am talking about that. I'm talking about the kind of life in Jesus that starts now through faith in him and will continue all throughout eternity. Transcend your own death is what we're talking about here. That kind of life that the grave cannot hold that Jesus just unlocked for us through his life, death, and resurrection. And so Jesus wants as many people as possible to walk down that path of life. In fact, I love the fact as we get into John, even next week as we start unpacking the first five verses of the Gospel of John, you're gonna hear these words. In him was life. Life. So what I wanna do right now, Eric, is take your, your idea of the heart 
and, and say this, anyone who chooses to follow Jesus, which is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, anyone who chooses to follow Jesus is reorienting their heart around a brand new thing. Mm. And in fact, it's not a thing, it's a person. And that person is life himself. So why are we passionate about the mission of Jesus? Well, A, Jesus gave it to us, but B, it's the path of life. And there is no other path. There's no other path to life. So we're in a moment in time where if you could summarize everything Eric said about the heart, people are starving for life and they don't know where to find it and they're afraid and they're anxious that it's out of their reach. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me, mm. follow me into it. Now, over the past couple thousand years, the church has been trying to do that mission and in, in some beautiful, incredible ways and some disastrous, absolutely terrible man-led ways. And so you want to summarize the history of the church. A, it's remarkable that the, the, the bride of Christ is still alive and well, despite some of the best efforts of church leaders and, and other people over time in their own strength that have really tried to, to make the church about other things than what Jesus called it to be. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because it's the bride of Christ and the spirit indwells us. So, so the more that we keep coming back to the clear mission that Jesus gave us, the more confidence we can have that we are on track as a local church. So here's, here's what I wanna say about the last two years. And all that stuff Eric said about, you know, being tired and worn out and weary and exhausted and, and, and division and all those kinds of things, you know, that's been a part of our reality. It strikes me that um, God allowed an event to take place in the, the midst of our church that would, for a period of time, keep us from meeting in person. And, and I, I don't know why God does all that he does, but I will say this. I think in part, he wanted to remind us that the church is not about the worship service alone. In fact, I think sometimes as a church, we can be tempted to say, our mission is to have great worship services. Our mission is to attract a crowd and then have good teaching and good, good uh, children's ministry and good worship so that then that crowd will wanna come back and maybe they'll invite their neighbors and, and, and we'll get to Jesus at some point down in there. But, but really, if you really wanna boil down to it, our mission is to have great worship services. And then we all of a sudden hit a time where we couldn't have worship services, not like we're used to. And so for churches that thought of their mission in terms of have great worship services, where did that leave them? We'll have great online worship services. You know? <laughs> I, I don't, I, there was a, a moment in that process for us a couple of years ago, we weren't able to meet that, that you know, Eric and myself and Lloyd and others who were on our, our leadership team, we looked at each other and we we're like, what is God doing in all of this? And so as we've thought and prayed about this, I wanna share with you two insights that we've had that we, get, we believe God has used the last couple of years to ingrain into us a, a couple points of focus. And I'm calling them our post-COVID. Notice I said post-COVID. Well, we won't get into that, but <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm calling it. Our post-COVID insights. All right, so post-COVID insight number one, we must refocus our efforts on making disciples of Jesus. No surprise given all that we've just talked about. It can't be about a show. It can't be about a performance. And guys, I don't think fellowship's ever been about a show and a performance. I, I wanna tell you that. I don't think that, that that's that kind of church, but I am telling you, it's so easy just to think that that's what it is and just sort of lose, lose focus of, of Matthew 28. So we've got to refocus our efforts on making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, what is a disciple? Eric's gonna talk about that a little bit later, but, but I wanna just say it as, as simply as possible. It's someone who's being transformed in the image of Jesus as they obey what he taught and imitate how he lived. Is that our focus as much as it needs to be? Training, equipping, encouraging us together to obey what Jesus taught and imitate how he lived. We've got to refocus our efforts on making disciples of, of Jesus. I, I don't want our church to ever lose sight of the fact that we have a clear mission. And by the way, Matthew 28, is not just about evangelism per se. You know, Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I commanded. So yes, there's getting the gospel out and then there's also this equipping and then there's development and, and, and things that all kind of 
put together to, to go into this disciple making. So that's number one. Let me talk about number two again. We, God just felt like he led us here by his spirit. We must create and protect unity, unity in our body. I think this is as important now as it's ever been for reasons that Eric talked about. Some of you know this because you know, you're in church circles, you read about what's going on in the church at large. Um, many of us don't, but, but I'll say this, churches all over the country are tearing apart right now. Mm-hmm. For reasons you'd expect, for the most part, for some of the things that Eric talked about, I'm grateful that's not our church's story. So grateful. But I want us to stay as far away from that kind of disunity as possible. And so let me say this. I think this is really important. What do we mean by unity? You know, you hear me and Eric or Lloyd talking about our desire for unity. What do we mean by that? It doesn't mean that we all have to um, see everything the same way. In fact, I hope we never all see everything the same way because we're called to, to, to be a, a body with different parts and members and different perspectives on things. That, that's absolutely true. But here's what we mean by unity. We mean by unity that we are centering our lives on the same person and we are all together following the same mission. We're committed to the same mission. We're centering our lives on the same person and we're committed to the same mission. To the degree that that's true is the degree that we'll have a unified body, centering our lives on the same person, committed to the same mission. I like the way that one person said this, I was reading recently, and, and, and this is someone that thinks a lot about the future of the church and does some writing in, in that vein. And, and he said this, unity will be the key measure of health for the next generation of churches. Not size, not growth, not budget, not excellence. Unity will be the key measure of health for the next generation of churches. And you know, I read that and I thought, man, that feels more true than ever. And then I went back to the, uh, John chapters 15, 16, 17, and I thought, it's always been the true measure of health. That's what Jesus prayed for us, mm. that we would be one as he and the Father are one. So, so we must create and protect unity in our body. So with those two principles in mind, we believe we're as clear as we've ever been specifically on what God is calling us to be about. And this new clarity has actually been significant enough that we've decided to update the language of our mission statement. Just a little change, a little tweak. And I wanna present that and share that with you today. And, and here's why we've done this. Some of you are thinking, I don't think it was that long ago that, that we updated our mission. And, and, I, and that's right. And I think that that's good that we do it because the more clarity we get, the more clear our mission can become. And we've just walked through, you know, these interesting two years that opened our eyes. And we think the spirit is leading us to say, here's what I want you to focus on. So let me first put on the screen our, our old or our current mission statement. It, it, it's current through today and it's starting tomorrow's old. Okay, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> to glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. Now, there's a lot that I like about that. I still like that articulation, um, but we're changing it. And I wanna show you the new one and then tell you why we're changing it. Okay, so, so that's, the, that's the old one. Here's the new one. Becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. So just leave that up there on the screen as I talk about this for a few minutes. There's, there's several reasons why we're making this change, several reasons why I really like this new articulation. But let me just say the one that, that should jump out to you off the screen. The old one talked about helping people find something. This new one talks about helping people, or in this case, being united in following someone. So from finding a thing to following a person. Now, that may seem like a small change, but it's a small change that we believe is important because it puts our focus even stronger on Jesus. And specifically, it uses language that reminds us that the whole purpose of what we're doing here is discipleship. Mm -hmm. So we wanna become a community of people who follow Jesus with their whole heart. That's a good description of the early disciples, isn't it? And help others do the same which is the mission that Jesus gave to them. And, you know, I personally can't think of a, a more simple and profound way to express what matters most in life, in my opinion, for a person or a church, mm-hmm. than to simply say, follow Jesus with your whole heart, with everything you are, all of it. 
Uh, Eric, I'm gonna actually ask you to jump in here for a couple of minutes. I, I'm curious as, as you've thought through this change, you know, what, what, what's, what have you appreciated about the new way we're saying this? Yeah, I think, I think first, um, it, it, calls, it calls all of us with clarity of how do, how do I participate in the mission? And this just, to me, it helps clarify every single person in here in this room has to be part of becoming a community. This isn't just something we do in programs or just in your fellowship group. Like this is on Sunday morning when you come into church. It's who can I can encourage? Who can I pray for? Who's new that I can meet? How do, I, how do we become a community? This is a, this is a joint effort. And then the other thing that I think is, is so clarifying in this too is that right away, all of us can start living out this mission. It's how do I follow Jesus with my whole heart? I wanna, I wanna learn how to do that. And then how do I help somebody else? So it, it, it brings all of us into participate together into the, the mission. That's what we've always wanted. And I think that's why we've updated this is so that it's so clear that all of us are called to the same thing if we're gonna pursue unity in that way. And I, I remember when, um, when the, the pandemic first hit and we couldn't gather together um, and we, we couldn't have worship services you know, together. And I just remember thinking, man, it would have been, it would have been so amazing if at that point we would have just been like, hey, continue doing what we've always been about. Continue living out where you live, work, and play, what we've always been about, following Jesus with your whole heart and helping others do the same. Like just continue living out that mission. One day we'll gather again, but continue living out our mission. We, did, we weren't able to say that with, with great clarity. And so that's, that's one thing that um, I, I really longed for in that time. But then I also, as the, the kind of the pandemic started happening, I long for clarity of what it meant to follow Jesus myself personally. Like I was, I was just as confused in those moments of like, I did not expect to have to wrestle through conspiracy theories and how do you have family gatherings and you know, all the, like, how do I live the, how, what is Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus in this time period for me personally? Like, what does that mean for me? And, and, then, and also the church. And so I think this brings that clarity of, we're gonna be we're gonna be wrestling through what does this look like for us um, to to I really mean, get to there. I want to interrupt you for a minute. I remember a conversation Eric and I had, and it was along the lines of this. It was like, have you ever thought about what it actually means to follow Jesus? And you know, I was like, well, of course I have. I, you know, you and I both went to seminary. We know this answer. And the more we talked about it, the more we realized we didn't have a clear way of explaining mm-hmm. what does it actually mean. Does it mean well, I I, follow, I agree with the Bible. I believe in the Bible. I I I put my faith in Jesus. So I'm going to have eternal life. Yes, yes, yes. But it's got to actually be more centered on obeying the commands of Jesus and imitating the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the more we talked about that, the more we were convicted that that's our focus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that we were wrestling through is like, I needed to come back to the basics of what does it mean to know and become like Jesus? And, uh, you know, during the, the pandemic, I talked about like, I, I was able to have a sabbatical during that time. And one of the things that uh, I really focused on in that, I went away to a, a, mon- a monastery and there was, it was me and the Passionist Nuns. And I was the only people on this like, campus. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Yeah. You and the who? The Passionist Nuns. The Passion- okay, you've never heard of them? They're amazing people, um, but they don't, it's silence. And so no one talked to each other and we're on this campus together and they're, they're walking through their prayer life. And, and I was just looking for a place to get away and, and kind of have this space. And I was asking that question, and I started reading through the gospels. And I was just like, Jesus, I wanna, I wanna understand what it means. And this is for, this is for myself. I, I wasn't thinking about you all at this point. I was thinking about for myself of, I need a deeper conviction of what it means to follow you. And started looking at the practices and the rhythms of Jesus and the things he was doing with his disciples and what he was calling them to. And, and one of the things that became really clear is um, looking at Matthew seven twenty four at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus, Jesus said these words, and I just remember um, it hitting and having to take several walks, just thinking about what Jesus had just said. He, he talked about what it means to, to be a follower of him and his kingdom. And, and then he says this, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So wisdom wasn't just hearing the words of Jesus. Like Jesus was actually calling his disciples to put what he was saying into practice. And so I, did, I started just thinking about that. And so this mission clarity gets to the clarity of, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it's with our whole hearts, with everything we are, but this is not just a, a mission for 
uh, the church staff and, and you know, kind of the programming we do. This is a mission for all of us to rediscover what does it mean to follow Jesus? And uh, our mission is realized not only when you all are following Jesus, like that's, I hope, I hope we get to a place where all of us are like, man, I understand what it means to follow Jesus with our whole heart. That's awesome. But the mission is fully realized when not, when you are following Jesus, but when you're helping somebody else follow Jesus. And so for me as a parent, like I want that to be true. I want my kids to understand what does it mean to follow Jesus more than anything else that I could ever impart to them. I want, I want that clarity for them. I want that clarity for me um, to be able to lead my neighbors um, with, with that kind of clarity of, hey, here's who Jesus is. You, like you may have had church hurt, you may have had things happen to you. Let's, let's discover together who Jesus is. I wanna help you follow the person of Jesus. And we wanna, that's, it's starting to unlock all sorts of different things of, of helping you guys and, and resources and, and trainings that we'll need to do uh, around that. But that's, that's what Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, that's what Jesus, it stuck out to me so clearly, is like Jesus was teaching them these new rhythms. If he's the center of, of, who, of who they're following, they're apprentices of Jesus. I don't think I've ever described myself as an apprentice of Jesus. Like maybe a disciple, but, uh, but an apprentice like literally trying to figure out how do I imitate Jesus' life? How, do, how, do, how does that happen? You know, I need to learn from Jesus. How would he live if, if he were in my, my shoes today? That's, that's, what, that's what we're all called to. And I want all of us to be learners of Jesus. And that's what, that's what the world desperately needs. The world desperately needs people who are living a different way. And the, the way is the way of Jesus. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we need. Well said. One of the things that I hope you're picking up what Eric is saying is, I don't think we, the, the leadership and, and teachers and pastors of fellowship, I don't think we have yet done enough to be about equipping us together collectively to follow Jesus. Um, I, I think we, we do a very good job with teaching across the board from children all the way through adults. We do a very good job with our ministries. We do a very good job with worship. There's a lot about fellowship that I love and appreciate as my home church, my family's here, and we're gonna continue with all of that. But we wanna become the kind of place that is really living out the command of Jesus to be making disciples, not just having great worship services and programmings, but to really focus in on what, what Eric was talking about. And I want you to understand and see how there's three simple parts to this mission. It's another thing I really like about it, becoming a community of people. We're gonna lean into unity. We're gonna lean into community. We're gonna be inviting you in relationally. We want you to be known in this body, and we've not always been good about that. We're gonna put a hard focus on that. The whole purpose of becoming a community is to follow Jesus collectively with our whole heart. I love that word, our, because it reminds us that we're in all this together. And then of course that mission flowing out of us help others do the same. So everything we do as a church can fit into one or more of those three categories, becoming a community of people, following Jesus with our whole heart, learning to do that together, helping others do the same. And then as Eric said, if you're part of this church in any way, this is your mission. Is sometimes when you're, when you're in, in the congregation, it's easy to say, oh, that's the mission of the church I go to. Like that's Rob and Lloyd and Eric's mission. No, no, no. We wanted to write this in a way that's like, this has got to be our mission. And you said that really well earlier. Um, last thing on this, and then I want to transition just real briefly to talk about the gospel of John. And we, we need to actually start wrapping yeah, yeah. this up. But real briefly, Eric, take us back to the context that you talked about earlier and talk about why you know, we believe this mission is so appropriate for our time and place. Yeah, I mean, I think in a, in a sentence, because Jesus is the answer for our context. Um, Jesus is, is the answer for the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. I'm not trying to Jesus juke you all. Um, I'm trying to like actually say, I, I really believe this. If you think about our culture, I mean, the thoughts are the world is broken, it's not working, emotions, hangry and anxious, desires for a better life, choice to go their own way. I mean, we find ourselves in the garden with Adam and Eve um, with everything they needed and, and God had, had put in their hearts the, to desire after him, but gave them, gave them a choice. And they chose to go their own way. They chose to, to live outside of his provision. And that's what I see um, happening in, in Christian culture, but also in, in culture of all. God is 
God is giving people the choice of what do you want? And, and many are choosing to go at what is desire in their own eyes. And so one of the things is when we look at, when we look at John, where we're, where we're gonna go, we're gonna see that, you know, the, through the gospel of John, we're gonna see that our thoughts centered on Jesus will actually be able to see that, that we have the thought of God is in control and I can trust him. And Jesus lived that way. Jesus will model for us as we walk through the gospel of John what it means to trust the Father. Uh, that their emotions, our emotions will be that we'll be content and satisfied in Jesus alone. And it's not, it's not saying that there, there won't be things that are sad or things that come up in your life, but we'll be able to do, process all of life with Jesus. That's what he's gonna call us to. Um, our, our desires, that we would have abundant life in Jesus. In John 10, 10, he says that he has come, that we may have life and have it to the full. And then our choices that we would actually choose faith, hope, and love. And, and Jesus is the epitome of that, that we would actually see that. And so the longing in our hearts, I mean, this is what our hearts long for is God himself. And that, that's what our hearts are always, um, that we would actually find dependence in, in God. And if we're gonna follow Jesus, we need a fresh and deep understanding of what that means. And that's, you know, that's a great way of starting with the, with the gospel of John is, is how do we, have a deeper conviction together of what it means to follow Jesus. Well, we're gonna start in the, in the gospel in that way. And, and one of the things that, you know, a, a follower of Jesus committing their life to apprenticing and learning after Jesus, one of the things that when you follow someone, you become like that person. And so a disciple of Jesus is someone who responds to his invitation to follow him, uh, to become like him in character and become like him by practicing what he, what he did and, what, and obey what he commanded. So we're gonna, we're gonna choose to, the invitation to follow Jesus, to become like him in character, practice what he, what he did and obey what he commanded. That's what a disciple does. And so that's what we're gonna come after. And, and, it, and it's right for us to center on Jesus in this cultural moment because Jesus is incarnational. Jesus is the word embodied. Jesus is uh, the one who is calling us on how to love him with our whole hearts and how to love others in that way, that we respond to him in that way. And we cannot become like Jesus unless we follow him and practice what he practiced. That, that's what we're gonna be looking at. So what did Jesus do? What did Jesus command for his disciples to do? That's what we're gonna be looking at in, in the Gospel of John. And that's really why, as Lloyd and I and the team talked about where we wanted to be for the next year, that's why we're in the Gospel of John. And we could have chosen so many different places because the whole Bible points to Jesus. But there's something about just looking at the words and actions of Jesus. And so here's how this is gonna work. Uh, you received when you came in two things, this book, which I'll talk about a, a little later, but this bookmark as well. And on the front side of this bookmark is our uh, our new, our newly articulated mission statement. On the backside are three questions. And as we teach through this gospel every week, we're gonna come to one or more of these questions in the application. What does this text say about the heart or nature of Jesus? What did Jesus say or do that I need to obey or imitate? What is one way I can follow Jesus more fully today. And those questions are going to keep us grounded. And the analogy I want to give you as we walk through this gospel of John together, let's just say you aspired to be um, a great business leader. Or, or maybe you aspired to be a, a fantastic artist with a particular medium or a, a, a songwriter of some sort. And you had an opportunity to spend months shadowing the, the greatest of that type in the world, you know, the greatest business leader in the world or someone you thought of in that way, the greatest, you know, artist in the world, greatest songwriter in the world, you'd be paying attention like crazy, right? You'd be watching them like a hawk. You'd be taking this, oh, this is their morning routine. This is how they do this. This is how they engage with people. This is how they approach their craft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to think about that as we go through the Gospel of John. This is the man who, the God-man, who blazed the new path of life. It, he, he lived the way human beings are intended to live, and he opens up a new path, a new doorway for us to follow him in that. So these questions are gonna really help us as we study and live out the life of Jesus. And, and go back to our mission slide one more time, if you don't mind doing that. The other thing you're gonna find in this Gospel, this is exactly what Jesus does. He forms a community of people, he invites them to follow him with everything they have. 
and then he sends them out to help others do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna be wonderful for us to have that mission reinforced as we walk through the gospel together. Uh, I wanna give you a moment to reflect on something before we sing a song and then and we'll dismiss after that song. This, not, not this last Wednesday, but the Wednesday before our elder team met, we, we meet every other Wednesday night and we talked about the gospel of John together in anticipation of this series. And I asked them, what's been meaningful in your life through what God said to you, spoken to you through this gospel. And it was so rich to hear those men talk about that. And then I asked them, what's your hope for our body in this series? And as the band's making their way out here, I wanna read to you what our elders said their hopes are for us as a church as we study the gospel of John together. That we will be able to see Jesus with fresh eyes that we will experience Jesus and unite in community. That others will know who we are by our love for each other. That we would understand Jesus' heart and desire for us. That we would experience the kindness of God through Jesus as he interacts with his disciples and others that we would see Jesus' life in a way that would amaze us and give us a desire to imitate him, that we would have an encounter with the risen Jesus who lived among us to understand our pain and teach us how to live, and finally, that Jesus would seem as close and accessible to us as he was to those who lived during his time. I wanna give you about 60 seconds to consider this question on the screen. What is your hope for yourself and our church? as we journey through the gospel of John together. Let's all consider that and then we'll sing together. actually are going to be learning and studying and talking about the very life that everybody's longing for. They just don't know how to get after it. We're going to have an opportunity to speak and live, embody, do all those things that the disciples of Jesus are called to do. And this next song is going to remind us who we're centered on and what we're going to do. We're going to have an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in us and through us. Let's stand to our feet. We'll sing this song together.